Well, thank you so much, ladies. I want to say a special thank you to our, our praise team and to our ladies trio and to our soloist and, and those working the sound and those doing the, the uh, audio videoing. And um, I just thank you so much. To God be uh, glorified in every bit of this. Well, I hope you have your Bible at home and I hope you will follow along with me. I'm going to share a couple of passages of Scripture, one found in Luke and one found in 1 Corinthians. And so uh, this morning I'm going to be sharing with you a sermon simply entitled, What is the Meaning of Easter? What is the Meaning of Easter? And so uh, I'll be reading just a few minutes, but this morning as a believer, as a follower of Jesus... I know you're not, at the, you're not at the church building, you're not at the cathedral, whatever you refer to your house of worship, perhaps, um, you know, we can be together again soon, we can come together in corporate worship, I'm praying for that, and I miss everyone that attends our worship service here. So maybe we can see each other soon and assemble safely back at our places of worship uh, to congregate and especially enjoy corporate worship. But until then, God has awakened us on this Easter morning to celebrate, to rejoice the resurrection from the dead, His dear Son, Jesus Christ, Messiah, Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Now, I've heard a lot of different commentators on television the last week or so, I guess, and they have asked some of their theologian guests, how are we going to be able to celebrate without being at the church house, without being at the church, without being blessed by the priest? Why can't the priest walk through the streets and bless the apartments on Easter, statements such as that. And when I heard those, I was kind of reminded of John chapter 4, and Jesus comes into Samaria, to Sakar, and uh, he meets a lady there. She was an adulterer. And he was sitting at a well, visiting with this lady. And so the question of worship came up. And she said, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, referring to Mount Gerizim, but you say the right place to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said in John 4, 23, The hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for that is who the Father seeks to worship Him. So with that said, let me remind you this morning, as Christ was being crucified on the cross... The veil was split in the temple from top to bottom. And for the first time, the curtain, the veil that separated man from the presence of a holy God was torn, was opened. And we all, since that time, having put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, we all have been made, those who have trusted Him, have been made priests of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says it this way, You are a royal priesthood and a priestly kingdom, 
Revelation 5.10 says, Through your blood you have made us into priests and to kings. And so the priest, the purpose of the priest was to be a go-between between humans and God. But the point is, now as a believer, I can approach God. I can approach God in my house. I can approach God in this building. I can approach God in my garden. I can approach God. I can pray. I can f- confess my sins to God and Him alone. I can worship Him today. I can celebrate the resurrection today. You can celebrate the resurrection in your home, in, your, in a health facility, if you're confined to a health facility, in a jail cell, in a prison cell, wherever you are, as a believer, you can celebrate. You can sing, you can pray, you can, you can rejoice in the resurrected Lord. You can do that today. Jesus made that possible on the day that he was crucified and later arose from the dead. So let me encourage you to celebrate wherever you are. doesn't have to be in this building. doesn't have to be in the cathedral. You can bow, humble yourself, humble your heart before the Lord, worship him. I encourage you to do so. Now, with that said, please turn to Luke chapter 24, and I want to read verses 1 through 8. Luke 24, I'll be reading now the New King James. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went and They went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid, and they bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. Now if you'd please turn to Luke, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one and following. Thinking on the sermon title, The Message of Easter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you're saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen over 500 brethren. He was seen by the, by the flock of God, by the people of God, of whom the greater part remained the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, that's his half-brother. He was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then at last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. 
For I'm the least of the apostles, who I'm not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ preached that he had been crucified from the, uh, he'd been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we're found to be false witnesses of God, because we've testified of God that He raised Christ up, whom He did not raise up, and if in fact the dead did not rise. For if the dead did not rise, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, you're lost. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam all die. Even so, in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day that we can come and celebrate the resurrection. Be with us now as we continue our time of worship. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. Reveal to me words that I've not even thought about sharing. Lord, may you have control of this service. Speak to the hearts of people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in 1 Corinthians, our main passage of Scripture I'll be referring to, chapter 15, verses 1 through 23, Paul deals with the subject obviously, of the resurrection of Jesus. There was a lie being told in the church at Corinth. And that lie was that Christ was not raised from the dead. Now always remember this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of the gospel. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. Without the resurrection, <clears throat> there's no Christianity. No other religion is based on the fact of a bodily resurrection except Christianity. A dead Christ means a dead Christianity. So when you remove the resurrection from Christianity, then you have removed Christianity. Now friend... What does Easter mean? Well, to understand Easter, first of all, you have to understand some other things. First, you have to understand that Christ died. I appreciate this beautiful garden that we have over here today that was uh, put in place by one of our ladies. And if you'll notice, you have the tomb on the right, 
You have the cross on the left, and we're going left or right. Before we get to the tomb, you have to come to the cross. There's no resurrection unless Christ died. So before you have this resurrection, you must have a death, and you have to have the cross. Now, the cross is the focal point of our sanctuary. I don't know, most of you, majority, probably have never been in our sanctuary, but, but our theme in our, our sanctuary here, our worship center, is the cross. I have a cross pulpit. I have a cross behind me in the baptistry. There's a cross outside facing the highway that's out of limestone. We have cross windows in the sanctuary. We have exit doors from the sanctuary, the worship center, that have a cross in the panes. And then we have just tiny little crosses in the fabric and the chairs that we set in. Our theme in this sanctuary is the cross. Before there's a resurrection, there has to be a cross. And Paul takes them to the cross in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died. He died. And so he takes them to the cross. So, no doubt, Christ died. There's no doubt that Christ died. Now, his torment began in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he developed while he was in the garden, while he was praying, he developed this medical condition known as hematostrosis. And that happens, and that happened as he was praying, that tiny capillaries in his sweat glands ruptured, and all of a sudden sweat and blood mixed in great drops of bloody sweat fell on the ground. And because of that, his skin became very fragile. You can imagine how he would bruise. And the next morning, he was battered, he was bruised, he was beaten, he was spat upon, he was flogged. And there stood Jesus, quivering in his own blood, being physically tortured by those who were going to crucify him. And in this critical condition... A wooden cross was thrust on his bloody shoulders for him to carry to Golgotha. And there he was crucified. The word crucified means maximum pain. Experienced maximum pain. We get the word, we get the word excrucianary from the word crucified. The English word excrucianary. You can hear the word crucified in that word, E-X-C-R-U, excrucianary. And it meant, it means, out of the cross. And so he was in very much pain, excrucianary pain, out of the cross pain. So at the place of the skull, after he'd gotten there, the soldiers drove these seven-inch spikes through his palms through his hands, crossed his feet, his legs, drove, these, drove a spike through his feet. His breathing became really uh, to be a, a, an agonizing endeavor just to be able to breathe. There was a little step that was nailed on the cross to place his feet. He would push up on that step to, to lift up his lungs where he could just gulp another breath of air. 
And then death came. And he cried from the cross, Eli, Eli, Lamont, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And at that time, the greatest agony of all, the sins of the world, was placed upon the sinless Son of God. And he bowed his head, and the Bible says that he gave up the Spirit. He died. Now, to make sure that he died, a soldier, Roman soldier, shoved a spear into his side, right through the filth interspace between the ribs, upward through the pericardium into his heart, and blood and water flowed, and he was dead. He was dead. He was dead. Point being, before you have a resurrection, there must be a death. And to understand Easter, you must understand that Christ died. Secondly, not only did he die, but he was buried there in verse 4. He was buried. They crucified him. They buried him. And now we're moved from the cross. We're moved from this cross, and we're moved over to a cemetery. We're moved to the tomb. A tomb. Two of the most influential men in the country at that time. Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus. Men of wealth, men of prestige, power. Members of the Sanhedrin. They took the body of Jesus. Really, Joseph took the body of Jesus. Nicodemus provided the spices for the burial. John 19, 39. Worth a king's ransom. Paid all the money for the spices to embalm the body and anoint embalming the body of Jesus. Joseph provided the tomb, his tomb. Wish I had time to talk to you about the tomb that they placed Jesus in. But he provided the tomb. And then the entrance of the tomb was sealed with a huge stone. It was a much larger tomb, of course, than we have here. And we have just a small covering over this small tomb. But the tomb that Jesus was placed in was much larger. The stone to be rolled away was much larger. And so they placed Jesus in Joseph's tomb. And the entrance of that tomb was sealed with a huge stone. But not only a stone, but the Roman seal was placed on the stone. And that seal guaranteed that no one would move that stone. No one would remove, roll that stone away. Because it also guaranteed immediate death for the person or the people that rolled that stone away. So they had a large stone, it was, had the Roman seal, and then a Roman guard was placed at the entrance of that tomb. And so Jesus on the inside... So you have a dead Christ. You have an embalmed Christ. And you have a sealed and guarded tomb. So to understand the message of Easter, you have to understand, Paul takes us to the cross. Jesus died. Paul takes us to the cemetery. Jesus was buried. Then Paul takes us to the calendar. According to the Scripture, it's just like the song says, 
Vainly they sealed the dead. Jesus, my Savior. Vainly they watched his bed. Jesus, my Lord. But up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Living hope that our praise team shared this morning. Talked about hallelujah. Hallelujah for the Savior. Hallelujah. Let's think about this word hallelujah. It's an exciting word. I mean, you can't say hallelujah and remain still. You can't say hallelujah and remain unemotional. You can't say hallelujah and remain uninvolved. It's an, it's an action word. It's a Hebrew word. Hebrew word. Halla means you in singular. Halla means you. Praise. You praise. Hallelujah means uh, plural. All of you praise. You put the Jah, hallelujah. You put the Yah, that refers to God. That refers to Jehovah. That refers to the Lord. So, hallelujah means to praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Remember growing up as a kid, and even since then, I hear our children saying, Hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. Remember that song? Now they're speaking Hebrew. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Remember, praise means to extol, it means to bless, it means praise. Praise is a response of the heart. That means that you don't praise unless something happens first. We don't praise unless there's a reason to praise. Praise is a response from the human heart. The concept of praise is a sincere acknowledgement with real conviction of someone or some things of value and worth. That means that something happens or someone does something and we have this deep conviction inside that we offer a voice of excitement and praise <laughs> he was dead he was embalmed he was buried and the scripture says there in verse 4 he arose on the third day hallelujah 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 praise ye the Lord so he takes us to the calendar and the resurrection really is is the best proved fact in history. We don't have circumstantial evidence that he was raised from the dead. We don't have any hearsay evidence that he was raised from the dead. But we have eyewitness evidence that he was raised from the dead. First Peter denied him, but in Luke 24 he gives his personal testimony and how he had seen the living Christ. 
And then verse 6 in 1 Corinthians 15, he was seen a 500 brethren at one time. And then he appeared to his family. The scripture said his half-brother James, he appeared to the apostles. He was seen, Paul said he was seen of me. Paul was really his foe, his enemy. And he met Jesus on the Damascus road. So the point is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven fact. So this morning, let, just let it sink in. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven fact. That just simply means He's alive, He's alive, He's alive. So the message of Easter is He was dead, He was buried, but He arose. And I'll close with this. We also will be resurrected. Verses 20 through 58. Look, if you will, at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go to verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead, and He became the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at His coming. Then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he puts his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And he's put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under his feet, it is evident that he who puts all things under him is expected. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him. God may be all in all. Otherwise, that will they do who are baptized for the dead, if they are dead, do not rise at all. When then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in, joy, in, in jeopardy every hour? I'm affirmed by the blessing in you, which I've also in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If in the manner of men I've forgotten with the, be with the beast at Ephesus, I fought with the beast of Ephesus. What advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, and tomorrow we'll die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. That's a good verse. Awake to righteousness. Do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak to you, I speak to you this in shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow not may also unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that it shall be but more gain. Perhaps wheat, some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men and other fish and animals and other fish and other birds. These are celestial bodies, terrestrial bodies, but the glory of celestial one, the glory of the terrestrial one is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another. 
so also the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body. It's raised in a spiritual body. There's a natural body. There's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust. Second man is of the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also those who are made of dust. And as is heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as, as we have borne the image of of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say, this I, my brother, I say that flesh and blood shall not enter the kingdom of God, nor does corruption enter the kingdom of God. If there's one word that you can remember in that passage of Scripture, the word sown. Paul very seldom uses the word buried, but he uses sow, he uses sown, and that's important because when you sow something, I was thinking, and Paul mentioned sowing grain, and I was reading D.L. Moody this week, and D.L. Moody mentioned this passage, and he said that when you sow something, you sow it, and it comes up. We're sown in death, or so then we're buried. We're sown in death. Paul uses that word sown, to let us know that if we're sown in death, we're going to come up. D.L. Moody said you can take a bag of wheat and you can bury a bag of wheat and nothing comes from it. But you can sow the wheat and it comes up. We use the word planted sometimes referring to someone that's been buried. They've been planted in a cemetery. That's an old term, but it's very scriptural. They've been planted within mind that they're coming up. So we're sown. We're sown as a believer. We'll come up just as Christ came up. And we'll come up, as mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. You know, uh, that's going to be a glorious time. And uh, when we have an opportunity to, to come forth, if the Lord tarries is coming and we should die before He comes, then one day when the trumpet sounds and the call is made, we're going to be raised from the dead just like Christ was. We're sown and we're going to raise up and we're going to meet Him in the air, preceded by those who have died in Christ first, and then we will follow them. Christ Jesus is alive. If that's not so, Paul said, my preaching is alive. You know, the Spaniards... When they dis before they discovered the new world, they had this coin, and it was inscribed. This coin was inscribed with ne plus ultra, meaning nothing beyond. And after Columbus discovered the new world, they re-inscribed that coin to read plus ultra, something beyond. They went from nothing beyond to something beyond. And listen, something's beyond. That's the message of Easter, something is beyond. If this is a lie, Paul says your faith is foolish. You have nothing to believe. All the apostles, the prophets, the early believers, all of them were liars. 
We need to tear the book of Acts out of our Bible because the apostles were witnesses of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he says, If this is not true, then if it's a lie, you're lost. You're still in your sin. If the resurrection is a lie, everything stops at the tomb. If Christ is dead, Christianity is nothing more than Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam. has nothing more to offer than those three major religions. The dead have perished. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 18. We read at funerals, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. All of that's a lie if Christ be not raised from the dead. If Christ is dead... There's no eternal home, no place in heaven. However, today we've come to you in this place to announce to you once again that Christ has been raised from the dead and he's alive forevermore. And one day he's coming back and we can say, Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence and to study your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can say hallelujah, praise ye the Lord with excitement and certainty, knowing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is no longer in the grave, but he's alive and will be alive forevermore. And one day we too will be resurrected. We've been, we'll be sown in this old body. We'll be raised in a new body. We've been sown. We'll, we'll remain in the grave. We'll come forth out of the grave the same way Jesus did. The same spirit that raised him up will raise us up. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed into our heavenly body and we'll become like Jesus. Help us to remember without death, there's no resurrection. Help us to remember there's two resurrections. Christ first, our second. The unbeliever will come later. He, she, too, will be raised from the dead. Speak to hearts today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Terry's going to lead a hymn of invitation. This is what I'd like for you to do. He's going to lead a song. It's uh, a, one of the favorite songs of uh, uh, the Christian church. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. You know you can do that today? You say, Brother Sammy, I can't do that. I, uh, how can I place my hand in someone else's hand? Well, you do that by faith. And so this morning, in your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you may be, if you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to humble your heart, and I want you to pray. And I want you to pray, let this be your prayer. Something like this, Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know, Lord, that you came and you died on the cross for my sins, and you were buried, and you arose again, and one day you're coming back. And today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sin and turn to you. Ask you to forgive me, and I give you my life today, Lord. I want to be a follower of yours. I want to be a disciple of yours. And I ask you to forgive me. 
Please, by your grace, your mercy, please come into my life and save me. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just find your quiet place? And by faith, reach your hand up and take the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. Remember, he didn't die for himself. Remember our devotion Wednesday? He wasn't crucified for himself. He was crucified for you and for me. He took our, our place. And so by faith, just reach your hand up and take his hand and cry out to him in faith. He'll save you. Terry's going to lead us, and I'm going to be praying for you. Have you failed in your plans of your storm-tossed life? Place your hand in the nail-scarred Toll and strife, place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Are you walking alone through the shadows dim? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Christ will comfort your heart, put your trust in Him. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the Thank you so much for tuning into our program today. Let me just mention that if you prayed and you asked Christ to forgive you and come into your life and save you, you turned from your sin, you turned to Him, and by simple faith and trust and belief in the Lord Jesus, that He came, He died, He was buried, He rose again, and you ask Him to come into your life and save you, if you would, please let us know that. I have some material I'd like to send to you. And so if you would um, just drop us a note uh, at to Mountain View Baptist Church, uh, Highway uh, 2110, or Highway 81, 2110, Phil Camel, Alabama, 356, uh, 35881. What? We'll get it, I promise you. Thank you. I was getting Russell and Phil Camel mixed up. But um, uh, 35581. Let me uh, ask you to do that. And then our website is uh, mountmtviewbaptistchurch.org. 
uh, you can go on our website, get other information, and uh, we would be glad to get in contact with you. And so if you would, please remember this. In regards to our giving, let me encourage our people to continue to be faithful. Ministry still goes on, and appreciate your uh, willingness to give and to worship. It's really a worship act when you give to the church to carry on ministry. And so there's three ways to give in person or by mail or on the online. So if you would, please um, continue your giving, and I appreciate your faithfulness in, uh, in your giving. We're going to close out with a, uh, with a benediction, not a prayer. But I've asked Terry to lead us in a, a celebration uh, benediction. And so he's going to come and, and lead us. He's going to lead us in one perhaps you're familiar with. It's very appropriate today. It's called He Lives. And so if you would um, sing along with us, and he'll lead us uh, in the first verse. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.